Truth Over T fans, friends, and fanatics. It's me, Christopher Wilmot, your continuing host for a webinar and podcast series. You're joining me on the podcast tonight or whenever you happen to be listening to this. It does air 7 o'clock on Tuesdays, every Tuesday, unless we're taking a bye week. Hopefully, you guys have been staying plugged in to our Truth Over Tea podcast, where we're learning to tell the truth over spilling the tea to the LGBT community. And we've been talking on the subjects of masculinity and how it, along with femininity, helps shape society. We've been focusing more on the masculine side of things and showing you exactly what masculinity is, what femininity is, show you the equality that that they two, that the two of them play together, but also respect the differences that they have in our lives. And I do believe that masculinity, femininity, males and females are equal, but I do believe, but I also believe, equally believe that masculinity and femininity, males and females are role, their roles and responsibilities are different. So we want to understand what those differences are and respect them all while seeing each other equal with them, if that makes sense. So if you're a man seeing yourself equal with a woman, if you're a woman seeing yourself equal with a man and um, not using your femininity or your masculinity as toxic masculinity or toxic even femininity. I know you don't hear much of that in society. It's normally the men who are toxic with their masculinity because they use it to exert themselves, to express themselves in a more domineering way. Um, and we see that that's how it becomes toxic. But on the flip side, I've also seen toxic femininity where they are trying to take back what men have stolen from them, their rights, their respect, and so on and so forth. So they've been a little bit too expressive, if you can, by exerting that. And so we want to honor what God intended with masculinity and femininity equally, but respect what they do differently because they do do things differently. And we don't want to get into the toxic masculinity or femininity by over um, compensating or over exerting one or the other to take back what the other stole from them. But we're getting to that a little bit more. I was showing you how that masculine energy, though, has been responsible that I believe to shaping society, families, um, even uh, mentalities, pers personalities. The psychological today study that we embarked on showed you how it even shapes sexualities. And I talked about how it shaped attractions last, um, what was that, last week? And so this week, we're going to show you how that energy, that, I don't, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of another synonym for energy, but, uh, cause it can kind of seem spooky when you talk about energy on a spiritual faith-based podcast, but nonetheless, that energy, that testosterone as it's defined is something that is desired of men and women. Mankind needs that. They need that security that comes from masculinity. They need that assurance. They need that, like I said before, masculinity is the foundation for your identity. They need security. They need that foundation. They need that assurance and reassurance that masculinity often often provides. And so we've been focusing a little bit more on masculinity, not because it's more important, but just because I think its role and responsibility is different than that of the femininity. And when we deal with the topics of LGBT, I've noticed this is the thing that I believe has lacked, is lacking or has been lacking in the families when raising children. I notice a lot of people in the LGBT community, not all again, not all, but some in the LGBT or majority in the LGBT community lack fathers. So therefore, if they like fathers, they're going to lack that man masculinity, typically from the men. And if they're lacking 
that to shape them what is shaping them. They only have femininity that's left to shape them. And femininity doesn't play the same role in shaping them as masculinity as we've learned. So just like in other communities where we've seen, uh, let's take uh, the black community being black myself, even though I'm not a part of this statistic, it's been statistically proven that there is an all right, an all out, I should say, fatherlessness in the community where the black community is concerned. And so that fatherlessness has contributed to a lot of neglect, if you can, where raising children, male or female, are concerned. And when raising a child, I noticed personally, I'm going to get into my own testimony, raising my godson, Cadero, um, for probably six, seven years, possibly even more. But um, I've learned the roles and responsibility that I had as his goddad to resemble healthy masculinity and not toxic masculinity. So what does that look like for the family? We've seen kind of like how it looks like for society, remember? And if you don't remember, I can go over my notes here to refresh your memory on exactly what masculinity and femininity is and is not. And then we'll get into what it plays into raising your children, how that energy really does impact them positively if it's done right biblically or negatively if it if it isn't done right psychologically. So we want to see how that plays a role here. And we're going to go to my notes to tell you exactly or refresh your memory exactly what masculinity and femininity is and is not our working definitions. So let me pull that up. First is masculinity isn't rough or being rough, tough, aggressive, domineering. That's the biggest one. That is not what masculinity is. Masculinity is, does, I should say is, or does resemble strength. It does resemble security and safety, but it is not being rough and tough muscles and, and macho. That's not what a, a man is, nor what masculinity is. And even though men resemble typically the more masculine traits, we need to know what those are if we're going to be healthy men, whether it be in society or for our families. So it's important to disassociate our mentality on what we think a man is through the toxic masculinity that society told us to be or demanded us to be. Especially, you know, I've seen this even back from the Roman Empire where we I think we got that mentality, this over anarchy system that we're going to dominate everybody in the world because we're men. And that's not biblical and that's not um, God's will. So that's what a man is, or that's what masculinity isn't. Masculinity is a strength of, or it's a sense of strength or security and safety. Masculinity is not being macho tough. It is about being strong, dependable, secure, responsible, and safe, uh, uh, trustworthy. Or you can even play around with those words and which um, ones you want to correlate with the other. But strong is being dependable. Secure is being responsible, safe is being um, reliable, <laughs> if you will. And when we get these things, I think we can understand masculinity in a more healthy way and then express it. Let's go to femininity. Femininity isn't, remember, it's not being weak. It's not being emotional, submissive, which normally gets that negative connotation. Femininity gets that negative connotation when dealing with the topic or subject, but it's not weak or an emotional or submissive or stupid. A lot of people even think women are stupid or femininity means you're stupid or you're acting like a woman when you resemble emotions. You're acting like a woman when you be weak and you can't man up. They even tell you to man up. I think we need to be careful with that. Although I do believe men should resemble, like I said, strength, security, and safety. We don't want to base that off of our muscles. We don't want to base it off of us not being 
not criers or any of those different things. That's not healthy. In fact, we all have emotions. So why are we telling the men not to express them? That's probably why we are depressed because we can't sub because we were told to suppress emotions. So we want to change the narrative. How are we going to do that? By disassociating what we've heard on the subject to now what we're hearing. Faith comes by hearing, not what we've heard. So we've heard that man, manhood and masculinity and being a father and being a man and being a, uh, a contributor to our society is being masculine through the ways or through the guise of dominary or dominance. And that is not good. And that is not right because that's actually toxic masculinity. In fact, God showed me a scripture if you will, as we know in learning to go to the truth, don't take my word, but his in Ephesians, it talks about the danger of misconstruing or misunderstanding what masculinity is and how it negatively affects the children and families. We're going to go to that scripture here. Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children by coming down on them too hard. In one translation, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In one other translation, it says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Oftentimes, fathers are the disciplinary in the family, and that's nothing wrong with that. But we need to make sure as fathers or if you are a father desired to be that you're not using that as a way to control but to rear or to discipline and show them the way it's almost like bumpers. I equate it to bumpers, the best way of ex a healthy, a healthy way of explaining it. Um, the bumpers on a lane just help navigate the ball to get down to where it's going. And that's what fathers do as that securing guard rare guardrail to rear them and to guide them into the way that they should go. Now, will they go that way? It's up to them. They still have a free will. We as fathers or, or as men should not grow up to be or desire to be men or fathers who make or force anybody, even our children, to do something. We want to we want to show them the way we want to lead and guide them the way. And if discipline comes into effect, if they're not doing that, I'm all for that. You know, sp spoil the rod, spoil the child type of thing. So I'm all for discipline, even spanking. But we just got to make sure, as I've learned physically and even biblically, as God has given me revelation, that you don't want to come down on them too hard by using that masculine energy that you're supposed to discipline them with and rear guard them and guide them with to exasperate or crush their spirits in another translation. Um, you can provoke your children to anger by doing that. And that anger can turn inward and they can express it through different things outward. And we want to be careful with that. So Ephesians 6, 4 just cautions fathers with that energy that God has given them, with that power, with that masculinity that they have. Do not exasperate their, their children or your children. I'm going to a personal, personal testimony. So I'm stammering over my words here. I learned that um, my godson, Kaderim, met him around two, three-ish, possibly even earlier, but two, three-ish. And I got acquainted with his family and I became his goddad around maybe six, seven. And he's 11, possibly 12 if he was, oh, wait, I think he's 12. So, yeah. Um, so he's 12. So from seven, eight, nine, ten, what, six, seven years, I have been his goddad. Well, as you know, that six, seven years ago, I was currently in the lifestyle of the LGBT community. So identifying with the traits of more femininity than masculinity, it was hard when I was called to be his goddad because I didn't really tap into my own masculinity and I didn't have a father to health. I didn't have a father to health. How can I say this? <laughs> I didn't have a father who 
showed me in a healthy way how to tap into that. Um, my dad was very masculine, the man's man, as they call the macho man. And so um, I looked up to that, but I didn't have that. I wasn't the macho. I wasn't the football player. I wasn't what other people called a man to be. And so since I wasn't, most people called me a female or referred to me as female traits and said I was going to be gay, so on and so forth. Y'all know my testimony. But that started to shape me in that way because I didn't have something to shape me in another way to to kind of use that energy, that uh, testosterone, as they are defining masculinity as through scientific means. They didn't have that in a healthy way to rear me in a healthy way without exasperating me, but rear me in a healthy way to go, not necessarily being straight, but being more godly. I didn't necessarily have that for my father, not because he was a horrible father or anything like that. Absolutely not. I just think there are some things like all fathers and all mothers and all people lack that they need to go to God for. And the individual even needs to go to God for the individual child. And so those are one things that I needed to go to God for because I didn't have a way of learning it from my dad. And I didn't do that. So growing up, I was a more feminine one. And when I became my Kadero's uh, goddad, I was ch challenged to be a man and I didn't even know how to be one. So I, I started. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Excuse me. But I was challenged to be a man. I didn't know how to be one. So I thought being a man was being exasp you know, exasperating my godson, coming down on him real hard, showing him that I was a man. But that's an insecurity that I was trying to overcompensate for. And so that's what often toxic masculinity in fatherhood becomes is when you are trying to overcompensate for something. Now, in my case, it was for my sexuality, but in yours, it could be for something else, possibly even that same area, believe it or not. So I, I, I had to tap into God because I obviously couldn't tap into myself to give that to him in a healthy way. So I had to tap into God and God showed me earlier that um, he said, you're, you know, you're, you're raising this, you're co-parenting with this mother, godmother, or excuse me, grandmother, really. And there's stuff that she's lacking and stuff that you're lacking. You as the spiritual counsel and the spiritual covering for the family, that's another thing I believe fathers should be. Um, the priest of that home, even though you don't live with him and he doesn't live with you right now, you need to tap into me to give what he give him what he needs from the spirit. Since we are spiritual beings, we need to tap into that. How did I get that? Did I just make that up? Well, no, Genesis 1, 26, 27 says that God made us in his image. And then John says that God is a spirit and those who worship him or fellowship with them, I like to say, we must do so in spirit and in truth. So we who are spirits only can uh, relate with God who is a spirit in the spirit. And so getting in the spirit, tapping into the spirit, using the Bible as one of the resources to do so, prayer and praise is another way. Um, I had to really grow up as man, really. So, and in doing so, um, it was hard. It was a journey, but I, I had to hurry up and do it because I was already, you know, fathering in a sense, this young man. And I realized that I lacked some things. There were some things I wasn't taught, some things I didn't have, but it also matured me. It matured me to be something that I didn't know I had to be at that age. And it also allowed me to tap into some things and some soul things that were going on with me that I had to address with the Lord. And he used that parenting through him to do that. But nonetheless, I never shared openly about this, but I started noticing that um, because of the lack of testosterone he was getting in a healthy way, because of the, the lack of attention and the nurturing that he needed from a mother and then he needed security from a father, a father figure and so on and so forth. Even though I was trying to be that struggling at it at that time, 
um, it's, I started to see him gravitate to very more feminine ways, feminine traits. And some would say he was more, uh, not weak, but he was more, uh, um, passive. He was very, he was much more emotional, um, than your, than what people would call the average boy. Again, I'm not calling him a, a, a girl, never call him that, never said he was going to be gay, never called him gay, but I just started noticing he was resembling more feminine traits like myself. But then I also started noticing he started gravitating to traits that I knew I gravitated to before I started being led into that lifestyle. And it started to scare his grandmother and it began, and then she began to express that fear and worry to me. And it's interesting, this is another subject, another day, but it's interesting dealing with the black community on the subjects of homosexuality. They have a completely completely different outlook on the subject than white people, if I can be candid, because um, there's this homophobia that I've noticed in the LGBT, I mean, in the black community that is not in the white community as prevalent. And so she was freaking out, you know, saying, I'm starting to see some things. He's being a little bit too touchy-feely with the other boys. And he's just being, he's being very emotional. He's so cold, emotionally codependent on you. And I don't, I, I, even as a child, I don't, I don't think that's healthy for a child to be so, so codependent emotionally uh, on you at that age. And so um, at this age, he was like maybe at this point, he was probably seven, eight, seven or eight. And I started noticing he, he wasn't maturing emotionally. He wasn't maturing spiritually, but that was my job to help rear guard him use that. And since I really wasn't, or I was struggling doing it in a healthy way, I was doing it more in a toxic way. I started seeing him gravitate to that. And so I remember one day she came out, she said, he, he's, try, he's trying to gravitate to be gay. I'm not going to have no gay son and this, that, and the third. And I said, you know, stop, don't call him that. Let me go out there and talk to him. So I brought him out in the, the garage. I'll never forget this. Brought him out there and I just laid hands on him. God gave me the words to say to from the spirit. Again, going from the spirit to the spirit. God gave me the words to say to pray a prayer that would bind and rebuke and loose different things spiritually over his identity to help rear guard him. And I tapped into a power I never even knew of. I never felt, I won't say never felt, but I very rarely feel that type of anointing or that type of power. Now you may call it spooky or weird that I say that or relate to it like that, but it was something that came over me to speak against that spiritual things that I believe that he was being taunted with and asked the, again, the spiritual covering. I believe all fathers are the ultimate spiritual covering for their family. They have to tap into the spirit to cover them effectively in the spirit. And when I did that, I tap into a testosterone, I tap into a masculinity, I tap into security and safety to begin to rear guard him and his identity. And I told him I bind that spirit of homosexuality, that 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 codependency, that tendency to lean and tend to uh, emotions and feelings and be led by those things. I bind that spirit that's trying to derail him off the will of God. I said, you're going to be a virtuous uh, man of valor. You're going to com complete and accomplish the will of God for your life. And I've said a, a number of other things I don't quite remember. But I would remember, I do remember the power that came over me. And from that day on, he has never struggled with those different things that I saw him struggling with, where he couldn't be left alone. He was being very clingy to me. He was being very touchy-feely with other, other boys. And he was becoming very, um, uh, it, it, I'm not going to, I can't say where his attractions were at that time because I don't know. And he never expressed it, but he can just seem like he was gravitating to that. And I think it's the responsibility of the men, not to Bible beat, not to shame, not to, uh, you know, uh, beat, I've, I've heard of beat the gay out of them. I've heard, um, uh, um, you know, I'm going to Bible beat them. I'm going to call a young priest, old priest and cast devils out. It's not, it, no, we didn't need to do all that. 
And um, I don't believe it's a devil. I do believe it's demonically influenced, but I don't believe your child is demonically possessed. I think that's a bold statement. And, and really, you're responsible if he or she is possessed by whatever spirit um, because you're the spiritual priest of your home. You're supposed to be covering them. So if anything comes in spiritually, it came through your gate, your 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 door, not physically, but spiritually. So we as the men, we as the fathers and in whatever capacity, remember, I was a godfather and God charged me with the responsibility. He needs a father figure. He's not going to be a statistic, even though you're not his natural father. And even though you're learning to be a father, I need somebody to cover him spiritually. And if one thing I could, I could cover him spiritually praying for him, praying over him. And I still to this day do so. He's 12. Like I said, I don't see him as often and I'm not able to be in his life because of other issues. But one thing I have learned is, and God still using me for is to pray over him. And that's all I can do. That's the most God wants you to do at the point of, of, of covering your children spiritually in prayer, leading in the church. We never missed a church service. We were always in church, not to gloat. But I, I say that because they needed to be reared in the way that they should go, just like that scripture says. And if there's not a man in the house to do that, thank God for women. Thank God for even single women who sometimes are graced to take on some of the other characteristics of a man. God will never grace you to be a man, though, because if, if so, then he would have to support transgendered stuff, and he doesn't. So um, love the transgender community, but God doesn't support that because it's it's oxymoronic and it's um uh perverted it's perversion you know god would never make a man to be a woman never make a woman to be a man it doesn't work like that god has a man and has a woman he wants us to respect them equally and their roles and responsibilities differently because they are different women femininity men masculinity that's different we need to respect that even though they are equal beings Going back to Genesis 1 26, where it says we were made in God's likeness and image. It says this in the scripture, and I'm going to read it verbatim. So again, you don't take my word, you can take the word. It says here in this scripture, Genesis 1 26, for context sake, it says, um, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them referring to even though it says man but he's really referring to mankind just like when you talk to a dog a male dog or a female dog they're both called dog so he's saying let us make man in our image or mankind in our image and make them after our likeness so mankind is just like god we can say that so bold why because he said it right here in in the word and he says let them have dominion so both male and female have dominion it's not just the men it's not just the women and that dominion is to be taken over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over all, everything that creeps on the earth. And like I showed you guys last week or a couple of weeks ago, this dominion is supposed to shape society or um, tend to the garden in this context. So masculinity and femininity, men and women are tending to the garden to help cultivate it. So God created man in his own image or mankind, verse 27, and in, in the image of him, he created he them, male and female. And then God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. Now he goes into later on in chapter two, specif specifying the man and differentiating the man from the woman. He made the man first, not because he's more important, but because he's more responsible. See? Men are more responsible. Why? Because they have been given that responsibility to shape, to to guard and to keep the garden. So God made the garden, said it was good, made the man, said it was not good. The man was good, but he wasn't complete. I, I would say 
he was incomplete. So that's why I believe God said, that's not good. I need to make a woman. So he gave him a suitable mate. But before he gave him a suitable mate, a woman, he gave him a job. And the job was to dress and keep this garden, Adam. And, he, and I learned that in Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. Like I showed you guys and told you guys. That is just synonymous to saying society. So don't when you see Eden, you can replace Eden with society for our, for our argument today that God wants the man to shape society or dress it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree eat, but of this one don't eat. We know that. Um, and then verse 18, he says, but the Lord God said, it's not good that man shall be alone. I will make him a suitable helpmate in the Amplified. I love that. He says, I'm going to make him a suitable helpmate that's complimentary to him. So when we talk about dating, which we'll get into a little bit later, but you need to find somebody who's suitable and compatible with you. We've heard of the word um, uh, chemistry and all of those different things. Who you have chemistry with? No, you need to go who you're equally yoked with. Why? Because they're going to be helping you uphold the responsibility that's on you for the family and for society. Now, say maybe you're a man out there, a single man. Well, I don't have a family. I don't have a wife. What is that word for me who's coming out of the lifestyle or maybe not even in the lifestyle? Your role as a man is to help society by shaping it and um, dressing and keeping it through prayer, through intercession, um, attending church and the community um, uh, services or outreaches, for your community because you need to be present. There's something when, it's almost like officer presence. I'm an officer. When officers are present, there is a presence that they come with that demands respect and that demands all evil to flee. My God, I almost went to tongues. Glory be to God. All evil to flee because they see the man. Robo Soko. Man, I'm telling you, that stirs me up every time I think about it. So imagine if there's no male presence in your family. Thank God for the woman. God will grace you to even do some things like the man. But you will never be able to replace the man. So thank God for women on, on, on Father's Day. But honoring your woman or honoring your mother as a father is perversion. I know that's so bold and radical. I'm sorry if that offends, but that's not biblically sound to honor somebody who's not a man to be a male's role. Let God grace them to the best of his ability, but to their ability. But God's still going to put a man in place, just like he did with me and my godson. He put a man in place. Why? Because they need that presence. Just like with that officer analogy, that officer presence will demand all demonic, evil, wickedness, to, or in that case, dealing with officers, it'll demand all criminals to flee. So when they see that, that parked police car or police vehicle, they know, hold up, there's going to be somebody here with authority and somebody here with testosterone masculinity who can match me or even possibly beat me, I better watch out what I do in this community. But when there's no officer presence, then that then that criminal says I have an advantage. Same thing with the enemy. If there's no father figure, if there's and you don't have to be naturally born. I'm adopted, and I even um, was fathering a uh, 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 my godson who wasn't adopted. So God will use you however he needs to use you to be the father in the church, maybe a spiritual father, a mentor. God will use you. And I've seen how God used me in that context, even with um, on a spiritual sense where I fathered in a, in a, in a case 
with uh, two, maybe I think about two different men. Um, one in the lifestyle who was coming out, one who never was in the lifestyle. I had to father these men just in that season. I don't know if it's an eternal thing. I don't know. Um, helping them through discipleship things to teach them that, hey, to be a man, you need to tap into your masculinity, which they one maybe kind of struggle with that. The other one didn't. But when tapping into that, you need to tap into your identity. Not You don't base your identity off, off your masculinity, but your masculinity will help shape that, which we'll deal more in depth in season season three, when we deal with identity. But nonetheless, being that father figure, God, again, God used me. I don't go around telling people, oh, I'm your spiritual father or God told me to be your God. No, 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 no. That's, that's perversion too. God it has to be God ordained and God set up. And when God begins to do that, it begins to add a spiritual presence that the enemy sees. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me not mess with this child because this child is covered by another man, not just another woman. Again, I respect women and men equally, but the roles and responsibilities are different. They're different. They're different. They're different. And we have to speak. We got to just say that they're different and, and respect that and not be afraid of that. And so um, Genesis 2 talks about God making the man and, and his role and responsibility and then giving him a woman. And so I think it's important that we see that we focus on that. We tend to that when we deal with the subjects of masculinity and femininity for the LGBT community. And as I bring this home, I'm showing you this is what is going to be uh, conducive or responsible. I won't say all the way responsible, but it's going to contribute to the change that he or she is going to be developing. Ask any LGBT individual. I guarantee you that they know or if it's not them themselves, they know somebody who struggles with their father. And notice it's always a father. Now, it's not. It's, well, I shouldn't say always. Notice this majority of the time, the father. Why is that? Why is the father has so much a sway and a play in their life? I'll tell you why. Because um, of its effect that it has on society and on their family, on their conscience, on their development. There's something that a man does for the development of the child that a female doesn't. But watch this. Watch this. Watch this. There's something a female does that a woman, that a man cannot do. I know even if you're in that lifestyle and you're attracted to the same sex, there's something a woman does to you. I'm telling you, I'm asking me how I'm not just talking about sexually. I don't know sexually. I'm a, I'm a virgin where that's concerned. But I know there's an energy that a woman gives through this nurturing, supportive, uh, 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 comforting role that a man cannot bring. Now, men can imitate those things and a man can has their own way of doing those things but there's something about a woman doing it that is different than a man and we have to respect that and honor them equally but respect their roles differently and that's what um it's going to help us shape our societies our our mindsets our families our culture and our church and so on and so forth you name anything that needs shaping or developing or maturing i guarantee you, you're going to need masculinity which is a man or which men uh, portray and you're going to need femininity which women portray and that's why I say portray because I don't again want you to identify femininity with only being a woman and masculinity only being a man because men and women can resemble both those traits but typically a man needs to resemble the masculine trait more and the female the, the feminine trait more I have no problem a tom girl or tom or uh, I guess they call it a tomboy I have no problem with that but when it's time to be a man you need to be a man 
So if you watch Golden Girls and you're a little bit more feminine as a man, that's fine. That is absolutely fine. But when it's time to be a man to provide, when it's time to be a man to secure, to protect, that's where we get that protector. Why do you think that comes in the man and rises up in the man to protect and to secure? Even where jealousy is concerned, you see somebody pressing up on your woman or even if you're a man and you're attracted to other men, that thing that would press up on you to, to, to or rise up in you to protect that, that person you're dating. Why? Because that is in you through your testosterone. And that's when you need to be a man. And so um, it's the best way I could say it for a comical way of, of ending this. You can act like a girl, but you better be able to be a man. So I don't care, but you need to know what makes you a man. And now this is just one of probably many attributes that make you a man. One of many attributes that make you a woman when we get to uh, talking about identity and um and so I don't, again, don't want you to hang your hat on, well, I need to be masculine and that's when I'm going to become a man. No, because in, if you're in the LGBT community, you may never see yourself being masculine. But I do ex I do think that you um, should expose yourself to that because I think it'll spark something in you and bring it out of you because you'd be surprised how much of a man you really are. I think some of the strongest men are the ones in the LGBT community. Think about it. They, they came out as gay in a society who didn't accept them, especially if they're black and gay. Not that I'm you know, pro-black over everything else. But I am saying there's something about a black gay man that separates most others because you're going against two societies and still able to stand up for what you believe in. So how much more for us who say we have Christ? We should stand up for what we believe in and who we believe in and not shrink back from that because we're men. I'm so tired of seeing men absent in the church, absent in, in, in their household and absent in community. Is there men, are men present anywhere? Let's just think about it. are men present anywhere. Not that I'm dogging men. That's when I, that's not my intent here. I'm just saying, let's see this issue as we've been constantly for centuries and or decades talking about the fatherlessness. When are we going to do something about it? I mean, I want some accountability here. And so I charge all my men out there, all the fathers out there, man up. That's what it means to be a man, to take care of your responsibilities, to be securing and uh, a place of safety, a safe haven, a spiritual covering for your family responsible, accountable, and so on and so forth. And so let's stop working out in the gym and let's work out in the family because there's a lot of work to be done. And maybe your family's intact. Maybe you're an awesome father. I hope to have a father on who can talk about his experience through an interview process, but maybe your your household is great. Maybe you can help help make others' households great as well. So be sensitive to the spirit of him leading you. And so for all my men out there, all my fathers out there, I salute you. I do love you. God loves you and, of course, accepts you. And he, he recognizes his role. He's placed on you. Let's live up to it by his grace because we can't do it without his help, without his support, without his um, aiding and assisting ability. We need him to be who we are because he made us who we are. Amen. So I leave you with that. Hopefully it was a blessing to you. Hopefully no feedback or stuttering or stammering as I try to develop my words and, and present this to you in the most excellent professional way. I pray that you are blessed by it. Remember, God accepts you. Grace changes you and you can control you. I want you to be practicing that whether you're in or out of the community. If you need to reach me for anything, don't forget to um, email me at God period accepts period you period info at gmail.com um you can email me there don't forget to keep up with the you the number com website where you can subscribe for our email subscriptions we're covid safe it's the last update i just put out on the website no deaths and no cases so we praise god for that for anybody who's volunteered or worked alongside of me all of them have tested negative and so i praise god for that so stay up 
with those things, stay encouraged and and stay engaged with those updates that I'm bringing to you. As you can see that we have um, given you a schedule, a weekly schedule, what you can expect on the website as well and social media content, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, which reminds me, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, don't forget tomorrow on Wednesdays, we do our prayer call. And so I'll be trying to incorporate a uh, online or, or a live way of um, contacting those who are not going to call in on the prayer call. You can also listen on the go live. I'm going to do an audio live on the website or excuse me, on the um, social media uh, site, I guess you call it. So avail yourself to those things. Things are ever changing. God is continuing to expand and exploding with so much that is happening. So stay encouraged, stay engaged. I love you. And of course, God loves you and accepts you. Until next time, you guys, I bid you all a good day. Love you. Enjoy your day, your night, whatever else you got going on. Until next time, you guys. Bye.